0: Hello, uh, Grace Grace City Church, Ottawa. Uh, My name is Neville. I'm one of the leaders at Grace City. Uh, Some of you will know me very well. Uh, Some of you are looking at me thinking, who is this person? And uh, you'll tell from my accent that I'm English and I've been back in the UK for much longer than I expected to be. And so you haven't seen me now for a number of months, but I'm following your progress very closely. I'm continuing to pray for you lots and I'm hearing really exciting things and I can't wait to be back amongst you. Uh, This morning, uh, you're gonna see a sermon uh, that I've uh, preached at the Emmanuel Church in Brighton uh, from the book of Genesis called The Promise Endures. Uh, Hope to see you real soon.
1: These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah his wife conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. Afterwards, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright.
0: Hello, my name is uh, Neville, and I'm one of the leaders here at Emmanuel Church in Brighton. And today we'll be continuing our series, The Promise Endures, going through the book of Genesis and looking at the promises that have been made by God, firstly in Genesis chapter three to Eve and then through Abraham and then Isaac and go right through the New Testament and end up with all the promises being fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And when we accept Jesus into our lives, uh, those promises come to us. And so that's what we'll be unpacking in this series. And as you've seen today, we're in Genesis chapter 25, and we're introducing two new characters. They're twins, uh, Esau and Jacob. They're definitely not identical twins, as you would have seen from the reading. They're very different, but they are twins. And this story is about their birth and Esau's rejection of his birthright. And you might be thinking, uh, what a strange story. As you've heard this read to you this morning, what has this got to do with my life in the 21st century? Uh, Makes no sense at all, but the Bible makes some startling claims. The Bible says it's all very vitally relevant to our lives, and even ancient stories like this that seem a little strange... Uh, they're very, very powerful for us. They can shape us, they can change us, they can help us. And so I want us to grapple together with this slightly strange story this morning and apply it into our lives and believe that the Holy Spirit will come and, and work on us as we, as we do that. So the key decision here in this story and in the passage is Esau's decision to give up his birthright and it is tragic It it, it is a very sad story, actually. It's serious in many ways. The Bible doesn't say that Jacob's trickery is the key thing. See, the Bible could have read Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, but it doesn't. The the story is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this is tragic, what has happened here. Uh, it, it, It says that he in verse 34, he despised his birthright. He gave it up. He 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 counted it as no value. Uh, and I guess the, the 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 relevance for us today might be that we might say, I guess, Jesus doesn't really mean so much to me. Or, yeah, I, I, I know, I know Jesus, I've kind of received Jesus, but it's not really that important. I can go after other things. It's not really the most important thing. If I if I kind of put Jesus, as relegate him to the second division, as it were, or uh, he's not number one in my life, it's okay. He'll, he'll still be around. It's not that important. That's kind of the equivalent today for us as we seek to follow Jesus and understand what the Bible's saying in the 21st century. Esau's decision is mentioned in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Chapter 12, the writer of the Hebrews, writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 16, see to it that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. See to it that no one is sexually immoral. That's the writer to the Hebrews looking back on this story. You think, well, he's not been sexually immoral. What's he well, I think what that's referring to is that we see through the life of Esau that he took Canaanite wives. He married outside of the nation of Israel against uh, God's, uh, God's commands. And I think that's why here he's been described as sexually immoral. He's also described as unholy. And I think what that means is that word is that he, he didn't take the things of God seriously. And I think that does apply to this story. He had no regard for the things of God. He didn't care for divine things maybe we could say but only for the gains and pleasures of this world. It's very relevant for us today and so we're going to look at this really strange decision that he makes uh, for, some, for some lentil soup and you think it's almost laughable if it wasn't so serious um, I, I, I want to say the Bible does say that we are like sheep. That's how it describes us. And sheep do do crazy things. And as a church pastor, I do hear some stories and I see some things, and I think, why did you do that? And sometimes the person can't explain it to me themselves. And I think COVID, we had two years of pandemic, and I think we've kind of come out of this. We've been a little bit changed. We're a little bit trying to find our feet again. We're we're kind of thinking maybe things a bit differently. It's kind of altered our perspective on some things. And so I think maybe this is a timely word just to say, let's just take care. Let's just take care of who we are in God and the the decisions that we make. So let's get straight into this. Three reasons I'm going to give you for Esau's decision that I see in in his life or maybe in his character that I think are very relevant for us today and the first uh, the first one I'm going to say I see lust and you think well lust what after a bowl of soup well yes I think the Bible is, is very clear the Bible when you look into this word lust it, it talks about an intensifying passionate desire for something and in the scriptures when you look through the Old and New Testament it often does relate to uh, to, to lusting after another person But it also does relate to food. It definitely relates to power. Can relate to other things. See, I could have have used a different word other than lust. I could have said uh, the kind of the mentality of I must have that thing now. Or impulsive is a word I could have used. Or live for the moment. Or uh, I have something in me that demands immediate gratification. I'm not prepared to wait, all these words sum up the same thing, okay, I'm using the word lust, but it means intensifying passionate desire, that we could also say, I'm impulsive, or I'm living for now, I'm not prepared to wait, see, let's, let's go through this, we'll, we'll go to verse 30, He says, uh, let me eat some of that red stew, for I'm exhausted, And there is a strong sense here of the give it to me now. The Hebrew word to to let me eat is literally translated to swallow greedily. (laughs) So what he's really saying, I want to swallow greedily that red stew and I want it now and I'm going to eat it fast. And I'm going to eat it all because I'm starving and I'm not going to wait. That's what it could have read. But it says, let me eat some of that red stew. We can miss some of the passion here, I think. He's saying, I want that now. I must have it now. And you could be hearing this thinking, well, does that apply to me? I think as you listen to this, there may be three types of people. There may be those of you that are going, oh, okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's something right in front of me now. There's a decision that I really want to make, and I know it's not quite right. But I'm finding it very hard. I'm, I'm finding passions within me that are stirring that I... I, I, I'm finding, going to find this very hard not to do this thing. And it could be right in front of you now, if some of you are listening to this, there could be some of you that know that impulsiveness or sudden, strong, passionate desire for things is an issue in your life. You find it very hard to say no. And these things can come on you suddenly. You think you're all, it's all fine and suddenly this comes on you and you find yourself in trouble. I will speak to you as well. And there could be... Many of you who go, yeah, it's okay. Life feels, I'm okay with God. I'm not about to face something. I'm not prone to this. And there's probably hundreds and hundreds of you like that. But I want to say two things to you. Uh, The first is a a warning. I'm still going to catch you. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be careful, be watchful, because you have an adversary, an enemy, that is like a roaring lion who's prowling around seeking who he can devour. These are serious things, these are serious things. The Bible says, be careful, take heed if you think you're okay, lest you fall. This is for all of us and it's for me as well and I'll explain why in a moment. I wanna say to you though, if you're one of these hundreds and you probably are, who who, who are thinking, well, yeah, I don't think I'm struggling with this right now, I wanna say well done. As we come out of this pandemic, this church is made up of the most amazing people. I could say this this is a brilliant church Really, what I'm saying is is, there's brilliant people. I I look at this gift day and the generosity of people. I look at the steadiness in this church of hundreds of people that have stayed faithful through this pandemic, faithful in the things of God, faithful to their community. You're amazing. It's a privilege to lead people like you. I say that on behalf of the elders and the leaders in this church. Just well done. But this issue, this issue of impulsiveness, of something in us that comes on us, is real, I I, I think we even see it back in in Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve and and eating of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God says not now, I think God maybe is not saying forever, he's just saying not now, that's not good enough, we've got to have it now, he goes right back in there, there's something in us, impulsiveness, strong desire, we can't channel it in the right way, You see it in Luke 15, the story of the uh, prodigal son. It starts, all this trouble in in that story gets starts because he goes to his father and says, I want my inheritance now. I'm not prepared to wait for it. And then all the disaster that comes after that is because he grabs for his inheritance too early. He wasn't supposed to have it then. He took it too early. See, look at Matthew 4. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness by the devil. I think it's instructive for us. He comes to him after 40 days when Jesus is tired and weak. After fasting, 40 days in the wilderness. Comes to him and says, "Uh, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. What's going on there? What he's saying, I think what the devil is saying to Jesus, he's saying, look, you, 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 you know you're tired, you know you're very hungry, you're weak, you're the son of God. You, you've got power over creation. You can, you can turn those little stones into beautiful baguettes. Come on, it's easy for you and you deserve it because you're hungry and you're tired. That's what happens to us. It's not, it's not easy, it's not, the devil doesn't play fair. We don't have an enemy that plays fair with us. It comes to us when we're weak. And what's going on here, there's a battle going on to say, will Jesus say, no, 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 I trust my father. At the right moment, he will satisfy me. He will give me what I need. I'm not going to take those stones and cause them to to become bread. And he ends up by saying, I'm going to trust in every word that proceeds from my father's mouth. Will Will we trust in the Bible when it doesn't feel right? Will you trust God to satisfy you? Will you grasp for your own satisfaction? Let me, let me just say this very briefly. This is, a very, this, this is a, a, quite a convicting word for me. Um, some, probably around 20 years ago now, around the time that I was making decisions to come into full-time ministry, there were three separate occasions when I could have gone for a, like the equivalent of a bowl of lentil soup And really messed up God's plans for my life. Okay, there were three situations that I was in that came on me suddenly that I literally almost had to run away from. And I don't say that to anyone to go, oh, look how good he is. I look back and I kind of shudder and I'm just so grateful for the mercy of God. Somehow I got through that, I got out, but this is real. This is real. We have an enemy that will suddenly put you in situations often that you weren't expecting. You thought you could control and you find you can't. And I'm not saying here, I'm not saying today is the equivalent of you lose your birthright as Esau did. I'm not, we're not teaching you can lose your salvation. But what I am saying is you can really, really mess up God's plans over your life. And all the things that you're being called in to do to build the church, the kingdom of God... You can really make mistakes that really knock you off course badly and you may never get properly back on course. It's a, it's a serious thing. So lust, this sense of the moment coming on me now, satisfying my needs, it's real. And we've got to learn to deal with it and trust in our Heavenly Father. That's the first thing, lust I see in Esau. The second thing, I must move on quickly. False narrative. What do you mean here? Well, Jacob, next verse, verse 31. Jacob says, sell me your birthright now. Sell me your birthright now. And you think, what a crazy thing to say. What's what's Esau? Is Esau going to tell him to get lost? Verse 32. Esau says, "Uh, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me? And I still look at that now and I think, what is that? What nonsense? See, he's obviously not about to die, is he? What do you mean he's about to die? It's a complete emotional overreaction. He's not about to die. He's not about to die of hunger. That's what he's saying. I'm about to die of hunger. What use is a birthright? If I don't eat that lentil soup, I'm not even going to make it through today. Well, yes, you are, Esau. It's probably you just haven't eaten since breakfast. Your last meal wasn't two months ago. You have probably had breakfast and you've not eaten since and you've been working hard today. And you're hungry but you're not about to die. So I think in our culture today, we can be a little bit prone to this. Maybe it's social media. We can be a little bit dramatic, a little bit dramatic. I, I often hear things like, I can't survive, or I can't cope anymore. And don't and, and be wrong, sometimes people are in desperate situations, but often when someone says that and I unpack things, I think, well, you probably can survive and you can cope with help, you can, or I hear, everything's a disaster, everything's a disaster. And again, you unpack it and you think, well, no, it's probably not all a disaster. I think a highly dramatic narrative is often prevalent today. We must be careful with it. Okay, with false narratives, we start to think things. So we get under pressure, we're often tired. I think two things start to happen. We we, we often don't know what's true anymore. We, we often get confused about what's happening. I'm about to die. Esau's starving. He's not about to die. He's saying silly things. It's not true. You see, we can get an emotional response of, I deserve this. We can start to justify things we want to do. So, so Esau justifies his eating of, giving up his birthright for the lentil soup because he's about to die. He's, just, he's saying, look, woe is me. Woe is me, I'm going to die. And we can get into that. It's like, it's like we just feel so sorry for ourselves. You don't understand how hard it is right now. If I just do this, it's okay. It's just, everything's so tough. Just give me a break. So it's a narrative that can start to play in our minds. Shortcuts are okay. It's not so bad. No, no, be careful with shortcuts. Let's go back to Matthew 4. Jesus is tempted again by the devil. And he says, uh, he takes him up to a high place a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and he says all these i'll give you if you fall down and worship me all these i'll give you this is subtle so what he's saying is the remember the father has already promised jesus all the kingdoms of the world and the devil's saying you can have the same thing jesus and he's saying oh you don't have to go through these this pain this rejection this betrayal This ministry, three years of pain. You don't have to go through it. You can can get this now. Very attractive. The big difference is, he's he's gonna end up with a different master. It's the same in our lives. We can can think, this this little shortcut, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. I'm gonna end up in the same place I was gonna end up anyway. I'm just gonna get there a bit quicker. It's okay. But you'll probably end up with a different master. Be careful. Be careful of the narrative that forms in your mind that justifies things. Say one more thing on this. This is very prevalent, I find today. Is no consequences. So we can build up a story that says, "Do you know what? I don't really think there's any consequences. I think it will be okay." We we talk ourselves into it. It's like uh, it's like you can have this this you can have this soup, whatever that might be for you. You know what that is for you. You know what you're prone to. You know what can happen, it can be a relationship. You think, well, I'll I'll just, it'll be okay, this relationship, it'll work out. Maybe I'm not really supposed to do this, but it'll be okay. It can maybe be just cutting a corner in business. Could even be getting some revenge on someone because you think it's not fair. Unfair. And we kind of joke, we think, it'll be okay. We teach grace in this church. Grace, God forgives. And yes, he does forgive. So whatever I'm about to say to you now, he does forgive. Okay, I'm not denying that. God does, he's faithful and just if we confess our sins. But there are warnings. So when we go back to Hebrews 12, the story of Esau, you remember we started with that. It also says one more, it says one more verse about him. Verse 17 of chapter 12, it says about Esau, for you know afterward that when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Oh, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Friends, this is not happy for me to preach this to you. But I want to I warn you, it's my duty for, as someone who speaks from the Bible to warn you. That's what the Bible says. It's, it's looking back on Esau, he gives up his birthright for a bowl of soup, and it sounds like he bitterly, bitterly regrets it, tries to put it right finds he can't put it right. You see, we can have this narrative of maybe I'm just giving God a break. It's okay. I'm just going to give God a break. Just don't be so heavy on me. Or I'm just trying this relationship. Just going to give it a go. Uh, probably not great, but it'll be okay. Grace, you teach grace here. It'll be okay. God will, it'll, all be, it'll all work out. Or, yeah, I'll just come back later. So I want to say, I want to plead with you and say to you, you're making decisions that will shape you. You start to become a different person. You don't stay the same person. You maybe can can protect yourself to some extent, but you make decisions. You can't protect your heart. You can't protect your emotions. Maybe you do and God's merciful and he brings you back, but you'll come back maybe with a few scars in your emotions. Maybe you'll come back a bit harder. God's able to do amazing things, but don't assume it'll all be okay. You won't quite come back the way you were. You can't undo decisions that you make. They're never neutral. They're never without cost. They're never without consequence. They affect you, and they always affect others. Okay, it's, it's important to say that. Here. There's a warning in Hebrews 12. He's trying to, Esau's trying to put it right with tears. I want to say to you, God is merciful and gracious but don't make crazy decisions thinking it'll just be okay. Probably won't be okay. It probably won't just be okay for you. Even though God is the master of restoration, these things have impact on us. They have impacts on other people. So don't become over emotional or over cold-hearted, I would say, and rational about things. That's the narratives that can build up. Let me finish with this. mean, so we've looked at, last we've looked at false narrative, both very prevalent for us today. We talk about spiritual blindness, Verse 32, we've read it already. Uh, He's saying, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me? You see, Jacob is the the deceiver here, but he sees far more clearly what is most valuable than Esau. He's the deceiver, but he he, he understands what's going. He understands what's really spiritually important here. You see, the the birthright would have given him probably more money, more inheritance, more power, more status. You see, it says it's frightening. Verse 34, it says, that Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way, and thus Esau despised his birthright. It's relevant for us today. You see, we need God to open our eyes to see spiritually. My friends, maybe you're listening to this today and you're still asking questions about who Jesus is. And that's great. We, we love having people among us who are searching for Jesus. You might have a lot of questions. You may be on the Alpha course. You might be coming this morning with your questions. We love as a church, we love having people amongst us asking questions about Jesus. But you, you see, you can't take an exam, a written exam to become a Christian. You, you can't work it out by logic, just by intellectual thought. I'm saying Christianity stands up to those things. I think it's okay, but that doesn't make you a Christian. The Bible's very clear that spiritually we need God to open our eyes. It talks about taking scales off our eyes because we can't see clearly. So the Holy Spirit comes and suddenly we see, and that's my story. That's what happened. I wrestled with things for years and suddenly, oh, I see it now. Spiritual blindness. Esau is just blind. He doesn't understand the spiritual significance of what he's doing. My question to you this morning, we draw to a close. Have you seen the glory of what you belong to as a Christian? Talking to you as those that would say, yeah, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Have you seen the glory of what you belong to? Do you understand that the promise that we're talking about right the way through this series, that runs through the book of Genesis, through the Old Testament, is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ? Do you understand that it endures and lasts to you when you accept Christ as your saviour and Lord? Have you seen the blessing that's come to you? See, I'm not telling you this morning to try harder. I'm not telling you this morning to think, even to think better or just to be a better person or you make sure you say no to whatever it is. Come on, get strong. Now, maybe some of you, you, you do need to be stronger and you, you do need to talk to yourself a bit, but that's not the answer. And it's definitely not the long term answer. I'm not, don't hear me, I'm not telling you to try harder. What I'm asking you this morning is have you really seen Christ? Do you understand the promise that you've inherited when you received Jesus? See, are you really saying, do you know what? I, under, I, I can see it so clearly that. You can take the world if I can have Christ. You can take the world. I've got Christ. It's what we're talking about here, friends. This is is the wonder. I I know I've said some difficult things this morning, but what I'm about to say to you is wonderful. So I'm not saying try harder. I'm just saying if you see Jesus for who he really is and what you've received, you're not going to give it up for some lentil soup. And whatever the equivalent is for you, that might be a relationship. You're not going to do it. Philippians Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, I count everything as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. He goes on to say, I count all things as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. How can he say that? Everything's rubbish. If I've got Christ. Colossians 2, verse 2 and 3 Apostle Paul says, again, you may know the mystery of God. That's Christ. Christ is this mystery of God. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures. You want to be wise? Yeah. Lots of people want to be wise. Lots of people want to know things. Well, if you've got Christ, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All of them in Christ. And you're going to give that up for some lentil soup? They're going to give that up for this person, this thing, this this decision, this cutting of a corner, this revenge, this I can't stop myself. But you've got Christ who's the has got all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. Paul's saying, I'm going to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I've heard people say, Well, that's it then. I can't understand it. It's unsearchable. How can anyone get it? It's not what it means. That with the, Greek, with the Greek word unsearchable here means boundless or endless. I'm preaching the endless riches of Christ. And, and, and you know what? Whether you've been following Jesus for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, you'll never run out of discovering the riches of Christ. That is my story. I understand now more every year than I did the previous year. And I'm never going to get to the end of it. It's like I can put my bucket down the well, which is the riches of Jesus Christ, and I can keep drawing it up day after day, and year after year, and decade after decade. And it doesn't matter whether it's been raining or not. It doesn't matter if there's a drought, because he's not reliant on that, because he's self-sufficient. He's the one who's from everlasting to everlasting. It's never going to run out in this life, and in the life to come, suddenly I'm going to be with him forever and see him face to face. That's Christ. My friends, see Christ for who he is. Understand the promises that you've Received in Jesus Christ. Don't give it up for something so so much less. I'm going to finish. I want us to watch together a a clip of our sermon from someone called Dr. Lockridge. He was a pastor in America. You're going to hear. He's actually going to hear his voice. This is from 1976, I believe. He preached this. It sounds very American. It's it's it's. You can find it on YouTube. It's not a video we've done as a church ourselves here. Uh, There's a lot of music and it kind of gets very emotive. I'm I'm not worried about that. Just listen to him. Listen to his description of Christ. See the words on the screen and understand that's your inheritance. That's That's what the promise is to you. My friends, please, please, please. If you know you're struggling in this area, go and get help with someone. Don't be someone that gives this up, gives this Christ up for some lentil soup.
2: He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's He's eternally steadfast, he's immortally graceful, he's imperially powerful, he's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son, he's a sinner's savior, he's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled, he's unprecedented, he is the loftiest idea in literature. the sick. He cleans; the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And He purifies the meek. I wonder if you know Him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is masterless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love is Never changes His word is enough His grace is teacher His reign is righteous And his yoke is easy And his burden is lighter. I wish I could describe him For you. he's indescribable He's incomprehensible He's invincible He's irresistible Well, you can't get him out of your mind You see, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him.